Corrie ten Boom, a dear sister in Christ who hid Jewish refugees in her home during World War II, once said, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. As you look to the future, you likely see some difficulty and danger ahead of you. A a, a lot of unknowns, perhaps. Who and where are you looking to for help? How can you make it in a world so fraught with difficulty and danger? That's the question that our psalm seeks to answer this morning. In, In a world with endless danger and difficulty that seems to mount up to the heavens, rise to the heights of the mountains, where can we find help? Well, the answer that our psalm gives is to look above the mountains of difficulty and danger, to lift your eyes higher still, and to see the Lord of heaven and earth. This is the message of Psalm 121. Keep your eyes on the God who keeps you. Keep your eyes on the God who keeps you. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 121. If you're using one of the Bibles provided, you can find the passage beginning on page 516. Last week, we began our study, a short series of studies in what are commonly called the Songs of Ascent. Psalms 120 to 134, they bear the ascription, the title there at the top, a song of ascent. These 15 songs were likely sung by Israelite pilgrims on their way to the feasts in Jerusalem prescribed in the Law of Moses. So why a song of sense? Well, one reason is, is because Jerusalem was set up on something of a mountain. So whenever you're going to Jerusalem, you're always going up. You're, you're ascending. This was true physically. But we might even suggest that there are spiritual connotations as well. If you're, if you're going up to meet with God, well, you're going up to meet with God. You're going up to worship the God who is high and holy. Going up to Jerusalem means going up to meet with God. And these Songs, of course, they're a part of the larger songs and poems and prayers of the ancient people of God that we know as the book of Psalms. And just as we did last week, we need to recognize that these ancient songs, they're, they're relevant to us. They're, they're God's word to us. As the scriptures remind us, Christians are pilgrims and sojourners. They're strangers and exiles who are plodding along in this world. These psalms, they teach us how to make our pilgrimage with faith, hope, and love. They, they teach us how to be hardy Christians. How to be healthy Christians, how to be heavenly minded Christians who are focused on our going up to meet with the Lord in glory. They teach us how to be Christians that can endure the sufferings and sorrows of this life while keeping our eyes on Jesus. But these Psalms, they teach us more. They teach us about Jesus himself. Jesus, he sang these songs when he went up to Jerusalem for the feasts. And Jesus, he sang these songs as he was going up to Jerusalem to die for us, and for our salvation. As we study these songs, we need to think about how Jesus would have sung them and about how he would have fulfilled them. We we have to think about Jesus in connection with these psalms. Jesus told us we had to. In Luke chapter 24, verse 44, Jesus told his disciples that, quote, everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the psalms must be fulfilled. These psalms, in one respect, are about the Lord Jesus. And as we'll consider from Psalm 121, Jesus was ultimately kept by God the Father. The grave did not have the final say. Jesus, he ascended that hill called Calvary, and he descended into the grave 
But God the Father did not let the grave keep its hold on his son. No, Jesus was raised from the dead. And now Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, is keeping his people from eternal harm. So as we walk and wander through this world, we can have confidence that we're being kept by the Lord who made heaven and earth. Again, here's the message of Psalm 121. Keep your eyes on the God who keeps you. Let's read the psalm. Follow along now as I read Psalm 121. A song of ascents. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord Yahweh, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord Yahweh is your keeper. The Lord Yahweh is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord Yahweh will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord Yahweh will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. I trust it's not hard to see how this psalm urges us to keep our eyes on the Lord who keeps us. That word keep, an idea of being kept, it pops up no less than six times in this psalm. So we'll study this psalm under, under three headings. First, keep your eyes on the Lord. We'll look at one and two. Keep your eyes on the Lord there. Then we'll look at verses three and four, where we're encouraged to keep our eyes on the Lord who keeps his eyes on us. Keep your eyes on the Lord who keeps his eyes on you. And then thirdly, verses five to eight, we'll see an encouragement to keep your eyes on the Lord who keeps you safe. Keep your eyes on the Lord who keeps you safe. I'll repeat each of those points as we're moving into each new section. But let's begin with the kind of overarching encouragement to keep our eyes on the Lord. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Read verses one and two there again. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord Yahweh, who made heaven and earth. Here the psalmist, he teaches us that on the road, we need to lift our eyes beyond the hills to heaven. We need to keep our eyes on the Lord. When we studied the previous psalm, Psalm 120, we suggested that the pilgrim needed to get on the road. He needed to begin his journey. For too long he had dwelt in these hostile places. And he needed to get going and meet with the Lord. Well, with verse 1, it appears that he's on the road. Pilgrim's on the road. And as he walks, he, he surveys the landscape. He lifts his eyes up. And what does he see? He sees hills, mountains. And suddenly, fear sets in. Hills and mountains, they're, they're not safe. They're full of temptation and danger. The hills are full of temptation because the hills in the Old Testament or the nations worship false gods. The hills were where idolatry and sexual immorality took place in the ancient world. The hills were truly a danger for Israel. So much so that the prophets Hosea and Jeremiah excoriated the people of Israel and Judah for their idolatry and immorality on the hills. At one point, through the prophet Jeremiah, the Lord said, Have you seen what she did? That faithless one, Israel, how she went up on every high hill and under every green tree, and there played the whore. On the hills, Israel's love for the Lord leaked away as she gave herself to idolatry and immorality. Hills could be a place of temptation for Israelite pilgrims, but they could also be a place of danger. Wild animals lurked about in the wild hills. 
And it was common for, in the ancient world for travelers to be robbed as they passed through the hills. So, so common, in fact, that at one point in Jesus' ministry, he told the story of men going down the hills of Jerusalem to Jericho. Poor Samaritan who was robbed on his way. And he was stripped and beaten and left half dead. The hills were haunted with wild animals and with robbers. The hills were spiritually and physically precarious for Israelite pilgrims. Looking at the hills, they would have pondered the question, with these many dangers and toils and snares before me, where will my help come from? Perhaps that's a question that you're asking today. With the temptations and dangers that are before you, perhaps you're asking, where does my help come from? It's, it's such an honest and humble question, isn't it? It's honest to confess that you are not spiritually invincible. Really, that you're terribly temptable. It's honest to confess your vulnerability. Humble to confess your weakness. This side of heaven, the world, the flesh, and the devil, they have a strong pull. And we need God's help. Do you ever stop and ask yourself this honest and humble question? You recognize your need for help. As you walk through this world, what do you lift up your eyes to and see as danger for you and your soul? Maybe there are places on the internet or on Netflix or cable TV that are a temptation and a danger to you. Maybe social media has the, the power to tempt you and cause you to slip. Maybe you find yourself envious of others and discontent with your circumstances. Maybe even struggle at your place of work. Maybe the prominence that your workplace promises has the power to trap you like a band of robbers, beat you up and leave you half dead with little life left over for anyone else. Maybe money has the potential to tempt you. Maybe you struggle actually in the presence of another person and your mind moves in the wrong direction. Maybe like the pilgrims who first sang this song, there are places that you actually must travel through in this world that are a challenge for your soul. In the face of these dangers and others, where does your help come from? Are you keeping your eyes on the Lord Jesus through it all? The hills, as we thought about, they would have been spiritually and physically dangerous for Israelite pilgrims. But think about Jesus. The hills would have been physically dangerous for him too. He wasn't exempt from the possibility of being beaten and robbed on the road or attacked by wild animals. Like the psalmist Jesus, he would have been on that road. He would have walked the road. He would have seen the hills on the horizon and remember that he needed the help and protection of God the Father. Jesus would have known not only these hills were a danger, but so was his destination. In order to save us, Jesus had to go through the hills and up a final hill. Jesus knew that when he set his face toward Jerusalem and made his journey through the hills for that last time, that on the other side of the hills of Jerusalem, he would have to climb another hill. He would have to climb a hill called Calvary. And that's where he would die on the cross. Before he reached that hill, he would have sung and prayed and reminded himself in the words of verse 2, My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Jesus, he, he kept his eyes on the Father through the hills and to the cross. And if our Savior sang this song, if he prayed these words then shouldn't we? After all, they contain a wonderful encouragement for us. My help comes from the Lord 
who made heaven and earth. The pilgrim is reminded that there is help in God. The pilgrim is on earth, but there is help in heaven. Christian, you are on earth, but there is help in heaven. Is that not an amazing thought? That the God who is high and holy and inhabits heaven, He cares for you here on earth. He cares for you. Is it not astounding to think that He loves us so? Dear Christian, cast your cares on the Lord, for He cares for you. Imagine a pilgrim walking along this road to Jerusalem, making his way toward the hills and singing this to himself over and over again. He sings, my help comes from the Lord. Have you ever prayed like that? Perhaps praying a same theme or similar theme over and over again? Have you ever prayed, Lord, help me? Lord, help me over and over again. Most Sundays when I walk from there to here, that's what I'm praying. Lord, help me to serve Christ and to serve your people. Lord, help me. You pray that. You turn your mind to the Lord like that. Pleading with the Lord for help in the face of danger is part of what it looks like to put your eyes on the Lord, to keep your eyes on the Lord. The pilgrim, the psalmist, keeps his eyes on the Lord Yahweh as he plods along the path. Again, those capital letters, L-O-R-D, in all all caps there, you see, they stand for Yahweh. This is the covenant name of God. And by recalling God's covenant name, the pilgrim is reminding himself that God is committed to his people, that he's covenanted, he's promised to care for them. He has committed himself to them. He's reminded that Yahweh is faithful to his people. This is the same God who delivered his people out of danger. This is the God who delivered his people out of the hand of Pharaoh's mighty army. This is the God who protected his people as they passed through the danger of the Red Sea. This is a God who can help. This prayer, this prayerful reminder, my help comes from the Lord, would have been enough for our encouragement. But the psalmist helps us to keep our eyes on the Lord all the more when he reminds us that this Lord, he's the Lord who made heaven and earth. Consider that the earthly dangers that we face are under the sovereign providence and power of our God. Do you see how this additional phrase helps us all the more? The author of creation has authority over all creation. So anything that you face in creation, he is mindful of, watchful of, in control of, and he cares for you. This is such an encouragement. His creative power combined with his covenant faithfulness, our hope in God as pilgrims in this world is strengthened all the more. He is committed to his people, and he has power to help his people. Verses 1 and 2, they they represent, I think, the overarching focus of Psalm 121. We should keep our eyes on the Lord. We should keep our eyes on the Lord who will keep us. The remainder of the psalm, it provides specific comforts and counsels to us. How is it that the Lord is going to show us help? How is he able to keep us? He's able to keep us because he never sleeps. Or in the words, or in other words, he, he keeps his eyes open and on you and on me. This is our second point. Keep your eyes on the Lord who keeps his eyes on you. Keep your eyes on the Lord who keeps his eyes on you. Let me read verses 3 and 4 again and see if you can spot this idea right there in the text. Verse 3. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Keep your eyes on the Lord who never sleeps. Which is to say, 
Keep your eyes on the Lord who keeps his eyes open and on you. He never closes his eyes because they're always on his people. I think that's the emphasis of these two verses. After all, that's the the repeated theme there. The end of verse 3 and throughout verse 4. Still these verses, they begin with a focus on travel, don't they? Verse 3 mentions the fearful thought of a foot slipping or moving. The roads in the ancient world were far more dangerous than the roads we drive and walk on today. Think of a dangerous hike on which you're walking up a steep hill. What happens if you slip and fall? It hurts. Uh, What happens if you go tumbling down the hill? It hurts even more. In fact, the possibility of death looms large here. If the the tempting idols don't get you, if the, the wild animals don't wound you, if the robbers don't beat you and strip you and leave you for half dead, then those loose rocks might just kill you. They didn't have the uh, pilgrims back then have the nice shoes that we have today. They didn't have all the, the Timberlands that the cool kids wear. They didn't even have Chacos. Right? They just had those thin leather pieces underneath their foot. Slipping on the path is precarious, and it might just be a pilgrim's end. So this promise, it's precious. The Lord is watching over his people as they walk the path. The Lord is seeing to it that their feet do not slip, that they do not stumble and fall. Now, does this mean that none of the Israelite pilgrims ever slipped and uh, fell? That uh, that no one ever kind of scraped their knees or, or split their shin open? No, sadly, some undoubtedly did. This psalm, though it uses physical imagery, it's often addressing spiritual realities. In fact, if you were to move your eyes down to the last few words of the psalm, you would see that God has said to guard the pilgrims going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. That last word of the psalm there, that forevermore, shows us that God will not finally let his people fall off the path. In the words of, he will hold me fast, he'll not let my soul be lost. That's the idea here. This is not a a prosperity psalm. It's not promising absolute and total protection from all of the physical harms in this world. It is ultimately aimed at spiritual things and our spiritual welfare. When the psalmist says that the Lord will not let your foot be moved, he means that he will not let your soul fall, be lost forever to death, hell, and judgment. Well, we know this is the case because often when the Bible talks about feet slipping, it's associated actually with judgment. Uh, So, for example, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35, when the Lord speaks of judging unbelieving Israel, he says this, Vengeance is mine and recompense for the time when their foot shall slip, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and their doom comes swiftly. Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 35, associates a foot slipping with the judgment of God. Jonathan Edwards, he preached his famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, based on that text. Deuteronomy 32, 35, and their foot shall slide in due time. Uh, It's an excellent sermon, but all that I need to communicate here is that we should not think that this promise of Scripture, that the Lord will not let your foot be moved, means that no pilgrim ever slipped and fell on the path. Rather, here the Lord is assuring the faithful pilgrim that the Lord will not let him finally fall, that he will not let a believer's soul be lost forever to death, hell, and judgment. No, he will keep you from falling because... As these verses teach us, he is ever watchful. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. Reflecting on this uh, verse, one preacher said that God is an insomniac. I think that's uh, punchy. It's pithy. Uh, God's an insomniac. But I I do think that that description comes up actually a little bit short. 
Right? When you think of insomnia, insomnia is, of course, when you can't sleep. The idea is not so much that God can't sleep, so he's stuck watching you like an insomniac is stuck watching the infomercials and buying Ginsu knives later. Like, no, no. God is purposefully watching you. It's not that he can't sleep and wants to sleep. No, he wants to keep his eyes on you. That's why he won't sleep. That's why he won't slumber. God won't sleep because he cares for you. You may momentarily forget about him, but he will never forget about you. You may momentarily take your eyes off him, like Peter took his eyes off Jesus when he was walking out on the water to him. But God, he will never take his eyes off you. That's the comfort here. God will not slumber. The Lord doesn't need sleep. The Lord is so committed to keeping you every second of every day that he will not slumber. Yahweh never sleeps because he ever watches over his sheep. Keep your eyes on the Lord who never sleeps. Keep your eyes on the Lord who keeps his eye on you, on the Lord who cares for and keeps his people. And this is an important point too. Yahweh is not merely committed to keeping every believing pilgrim. He is committed to keeping his believing people. He keeps you, verse 3, and he keeps Israel, verse 4. He keeps his people as a whole. He will always have a people, a, a corporate people, who gather together to testify to the glories of his name because he will keep them. As Jesus put it in the Gospels, the gates of hell will not prevail against God's church. These verses are a comfort to us as individual Christians and as those who are part of God's church. Which brings us something to which we, we passed over, but we need to actually press into now. Did you notice that there was a subtle shift between verses 2 and 3? There was a shift in the psalmist's choice of words. He shifted from my to your. In verse 2 he said, the Lord is my help. But in verse 3 he said, that the Lord will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Why the transition? Is he, is he now preaching to himself as if to say, Michael, remember that the Lord keeps you. Michael, remember that the Lord watches over you. Or is he singing to his fellow pilgrims who need the encouragement to lift up their eyes to the Lord? Brother, sister, the Lord keeps his eye on you. Brother, sister, the Lord will keep and protect you. Is he singing as an encouragement as he walks on the road and they journey together? Well, why choose between the two? After all, this is what we do in song. Right? Do, you, do you realize that when you sing with God's people here, you are reminding yourself about biblical truth and you're reminding your fellow Christian pilgrims about the truth of God. The truth that we sing in song is for you and for your soul and it's for the souls of your brothers and sisters as well. It's a comfort to them that they need to hear. And this is part of the reason that you need to sing loudly. Praise the Lord that you sang so loudly together this morning. Do you realize that when you sing with God's people here that you are encouraging them? Sing loudly. Now, the, the ensemble, right, they, they help us to stay on pace and on key. And when we don't quite know the song, they, they help us along. But when we've got a song under our belts, we need to be belting it out with joy. We need to be belting it out louder than the ensemble. Think of the truth that you sang into the hearts of your fellow believers today. Through song, I'm just going to work through our, our order of service. Through song, I told you and you told me that God is our maker, defender, redeemer, and friend. Through, through song, you told me that I do not need to fear death's cold waves, for God through Jordan leads me. Through song, we reminded each other that when we fear our faith may fail, Jesus will hold us fast. 
And through song, I told you and you told me that God, he will guide the future as he has the past. And through song at the end of the service, we will remind each other that there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Do you realize how much I need you to tell me those truths? Do you realize how much you need to hear them from me and from your brothers and sisters? When the road is scary, and the road can be scary, when the road is scary and your feet are in danger of slipping, you need to be reminded that God is not sleeping and that he will keep you because he's your maker, defender, redeemer, and friend. Do you realize how much you need to hear the truth that when you are faced with dead, death, that God is ready to receive you? Do you realize how much you need to hear the truth that though your faith is weak, your Jesus is strong? That your salvation does not depend upon your good work, but upon His, and it rests solely and completely upon Him? Do you realize when you gather with God's people here on the Lord's Day, even when you think back over this past week or even over the course of this morning and you remember your iniquities and sins and you doubt that Jesus can save you, do you realize how much you need to hear in song that the precious blood of Jesus will never lose its power? Brothers and sisters, we underestimate just how important gathering with God's people is just to sustain us for another week in this weary world. As the first pilgrims sang to themselves and to one another, we need to sing the truth of God to ourselves and to one another. Singing is a practical way to remind ourselves and each other to keep our eyes on the Lord who never sleeps, to keep our eyes on the Lord who keeps his eyes on us. We keep our eyes on him because he keeps his eyes on us. The psalmist tells himself and his fellow pilgrims this truth. He tells them to keep their eyes on the Lord. And he tells them to keep their eyes on the Lord who is their shade and thus keeps them safe. This is our, our next point, our, our third point. Keep your eyes on the Lord who keeps you safe. This is what we find in verses 5 to 8. Follow along now as I read verses 5 to 8. The Lord Yahweh is your keeper. The Lord Yahweh is your shade in your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord Yahweh will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord Yahweh will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever, forevermore. Here the psalmist, he plainly declares that the Lord is the great keeper. God, he, he keeps his people safe day and night. He keeps us safe every day, all throughout the day and until the last day. That Hebrew word there for keeper is shamar, which means to keep or to guard. In the Bible, I believe it was first used of Adam in the Garden of Eden. Back in Genesis chapter 2, the Lord put the first man, Adam, in the garden to work it and to keep it. Man, having fallen into sin and in danger of judgment, now God is presented as guarding his people and keeping them safe. Well, the notion of the Lord Yahweh being his people's shade it would have been wonderfully encouraging to a traveler, especially a traveler making his way through the scorching sun in the Middle East. Heat stroke was a, a real danger, death a real possibility, shade is a welcome relief. Even today, uh, we here in this area know the blessing of shade. 
during the summer months. It's a welcome relief. If you find me outdoors in the summer months, you will find me looking for shade. Uh, the sun strikes me and turns me red. Um, I don't tan. It's just not within the realm of possibility for me. A, a friend of mine actually called me lobster legs after I was out in the sun just for a few hours. My dear wife uh, affectionately calls me the fairest one of all. Um, so that I suffer mildly from the sun is, uh, yeah, I, compared to what is in view here, it's, it's mild. But heat stroke and even death are, are really in view here. This imagery, it, it may also harken back to the time when the Lord went with his people through the wilderness. Exodus chapter 13, verse 21 reminds us, The Lord went before Israel by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they may travel by day and night. And we must, must remember here, so we're looking at this psalm. We're, we're looking at poetry. The author of this psalm, he's, he's using images and realities that are familiar to Israelite pilgrims on the journey and in their history, so as to encourage them to keep their eyes on the Lord who keeps them safe. We know that God is especially keeping his people safe because of the emphasis on being the, the shade on the pilgrim's right hand. Why would he need shade on his right hand? What about the left? To be clear, this has nothing to do with politics. This has everything to do with battle, army. Uh, in, in, in battle, a warrior typically held his shield in his left hand and his sword on his right side. So since the left has the shield, it's, it's more protected and the right is, is more exposed. Yet the imagery here is that the Lord is the shade on your right hand. He means he's keeping the most vulnerable parts of you protected. He is a comprehensive protector for his people, people covering um, all, all times, all sides. That's why we read in verse 6, The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. God will keep his people safe at day and at night. Every minute of the day, in every way, God is keeping his people safe. Too many, I think, have made too much of being moonstruck uh, in reflecting on the idea that the moon will not strike you by night. We don't need to be, uh, get caught up in how our word for lunatic comes from the Latin word for moon, luna, or things like that. It, it, it may be that we simply need to recognize that God is said to be the protector of his people from the burning sun, the day, and the bitter cold by night. Above all, though, above all, what this communicates as a whole is that God keeps his people safe at all times. Sometimes we fail to remember this. Sometimes we fail to remember that our ultimate safety is in the Lord, held and kept by the Lord. We, we take wise precautions in this life, but ultimately, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got you and me in his hands. Children and young people, keep your eyes on the Lord who keeps you safe. When you are afraid, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. So much, children, so much is out of control for you in this life. You often don't get to decide where you go or what you will do. So learning to trust the leadership of your parents now is the training ground for trusting the sovereign and wise leadership of the Lord. Just as your parents have your safety and good in mind everywhere they lead you and in every circumstance, just as your parents seek your safety at every time of day and night, so God has the safety, security, and good of his people in mind everywhere he leads them. God keeps his people entirely safe, day by day and unto the end. 
That's the emphasis of verses 7 and 8. And notice the, the kind of the totalizing nature of verse 7. The Lord will keep you from all evil. How should we think about this? I mean, don't we run into evil every day? Don't we see evil crop up in our hearts when we sin? Doesn't the devil seek to work us woe? Doesn't Paul teach us that we need to put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil? How is it that the Lord keeps us from all evil? Well, we we can't separate the first half of verse 7 from the second half of verse 7. And we can't separate verse 7 from verse 8 and the rest of the scriptures. Often in Hebrew poetry, the first line or phrase explains the next line, or they explain one another. Uh, So the Lord will keep us from all evil, which is to say he will keep our lives. And and how will he keep them? Well, verse 8, he'll keep our going out and our coming in. Going out and coming in can refer to something like going out for work in the morning and coming in from work in the evening. He, He keeps our lives all throughout the day. But not just that, he keeps us to the last day, from this time forth and forevermore. Here we see that all along the psalm and the pilgrim have been marching toward eternity. The constant watching of verses 3 and 4, the comprehensive protecting, verses 5 and 6, mean to secure the complete keeping of God's people to the end, verses 7 and 8. The Lord will not let any evil finally overtake us. And we know that the Father in heaven can keep this promise to us because he kept it to his Son. When Jesus died on the cross, the grave did not get to keep him because God the Father was determined that he would keep his life. And so he raised the Lord Jesus from the dead on the third day. And he ascended and he sits in heaven and he rules and reigns from there now. Our Lord Jesus is the supreme example that our lives can be kept, that God will keep this promise and keep us from all harm. Once he holds his people and watches over them, he keeps them safe to the end. Like Paul, we may indeed go through persecution and famine and nakedness and danger and sword, but the Lord will keep us eternally safe through it all. We know this truth from scriptures like Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39, where we read, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus himself promised that he would keep those entrusted to him. And this is where I want us to conclude. I want us to conclude by thinking about Jesus as our great keeper. But to do that, I want us to turn to the Gospel of John, especially chapter 6. Our brother Michael mentioned this in his prayer. I was so thankful for that. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 6. And when you get there, find verse 38. If you're using one of the Bibles provided, that's on page 892. 892, I believe, of of, uh, the Bibles provided. John chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus, he has been um, healing and teaching and performing amazing miracles. Most immediately, he has been explaining how he is the source of eternal life. And then he says this in John chapter 6, verses 38 to 40. John chapter 6, verse 38 to 40, our Savior's words. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me 
but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise Him up on the last day. Remember the wills of Psalm 121? The Lord will keep you. The Lord will keep you. And here's Jesus giving His own will. I will raise Him up on the last day. Jesus will keep His people from this time forth and forevermore. The the most faithful pilgrims who sang Psalm 121 were lifting their eyes to the heaven and looking for help. And here is our heavenly help. Heaven came to earth. The Lord Jesus came down from heaven. He walked the road for us. And He came to walk with us by His Spirit so that we would not slip off the road. And do you understand what Jesus is saying here in John's Gospel? He's proclaiming His divinity and His ability and His commitment to save and keep His people, His sheep, to the last day, from this time forth and forevermore. Who will Jesus keep? You see what He says there? All who look to Him, the one who made heaven and earth, all who look to Him and believe. If you hope to be a pilgrim who makes it through the hills of this life and to heaven, then your only hope is to be kept by Jesus. He is the one who can keep you. You cannot keep yourself. You must look to Jesus and believe that He lived for you, that He did God's will where you and I haven't. You must look to Jesus and believe that He died for you, bearing the wrath of God for your mountain of sin. You must look to Jesus and believe that He was raised from the grave for the forgiveness of your sins. You must look to Jesus and believe that since He was raised and that since He keeps you, He will raise you up on the last day. So turn from your sin and trust in the only one who can keep your soul. Keep your eyes on Jesus for He will keep you. And you can be certain He will. Adam, he failed in his task to work and to keep the garden. But Jesus did not and will not fail to do the Father's will. He has told us that he will lose none that God the Father has given to him. John 6, 39. He will keep us perfectly. And a little later in John's Gospel, Jesus says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. And later still, Jesus, he prays for us. He prays, Father, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. Jesus, Jesus is watching over you and praying for you. It's precisely the keeping you need. Jesus keeps his people in every way, every day until the last day. So look to Jesus. Everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him has eternal life. Keep your eyes on the Lord Jesus. For he is the one who keeps you. He is your help from heaven. So lift your eyes to him. Let's pray that God would give us the grace to do that now.